Ladies and gentlemen, please take your seats. The show is about to begin. Simple. There's no way on earth we're going to get out of here tonight. We'd have more luck playing pickup sticks with our butt cheeks than we will getting a flight out of here before daybreak. Good evening and welcome to another episode of Three Guys in a Flick. This is where we review the good, the bad, and the absurd. Tonight's episode, Planes, Trains, and Automobiles. Beware, spoilers. Coming to you from my basement, I am Don. And to my right, we have our comic book guy, John. Six bucks and my right nut says we're not landing in Chicago. And to my left, we have the professor, Ken. I'm on. <laughs> you the uh, shark fell. I'm on. Owen. That's right. Owen. <laughs> How are you guys doing tonight? Doing great. Yeah, doing well. Yeah, sounds like it. Sounds like it. Uh, we've been away for a little bit, but now we are back, and we are talking about planes, trains, and automobiles. This pick comes from our director series, where we take a helmet full of directors, pick one out, and we each put a movie back into a separate hat so we can draw out of, not to make things too complicated. And this was our first go-around, and we drew John Hughes. Uh, Jill drew it for us on Galaxy Quest. Yep. Yeah. It's so, a great first director to start with. Yeah, yeah. So we each put a film by John Hughes into a separate hat, and we pulled out Planes, Trains, and Automobiles. Now, there are two more John Hughes in that hat, but we're going to take those films, and we're going to throw those into the Bronco helmet. And we're just going to let them float around in there until, you know, we pick them. Marinate a little. Yeah, yeah. And so at the end of the episode tonight, what we will do is we will pick another director. And we'll each put in one film, pick that film, and then the other two will go on the Bronco helmet. And we'll just kind of play it by ear. What do you guys think? I like it. As long as it's Sam Raimi, I think we're okay. Yeah, well, I can't control the pick, bud. And knowing us, it's probably going to be fucking something you hate. James Cameron. Bro, oh, did you put him in there? <laughs> nice. You son of a bitch. All right, so... Talking about planes, trains, and automobiles, it was released on November 25th of 1987. It was directed by, written by, and produced by John Hughes, and it stars Steve Martin and John Candy. A Chicago advertising man struggles to travel home from New York for Thanksgiving with a lovable oaf of a shower curtain ring salesman as his only companion. How'd this movie do, Don? Uh, this movie was made for $15 million, and it brought in $50 million. Why do you think it didn't do better than $50 million? Why do I think it didn't do better? Um, I don't Because it was 1987? I don't know. From what I have read, because of that one scene with the numerous F-bombs, it got a rated R. If it hadn't gotten the rated R rating... I'll bet you it would have done a lot better. Yeah, and I bet you had the captain of the Titanic took a right, he probably wouldn't have hit the iceberg. So I'll bet you he said F 
the F-bomb when he hit the iceberg. I know. But that F-bomb sequence uh, is so good. Yeah. It's, it's so good. It's what, I can't imagine this movie without it. I think it's one of the things that sold Steve Martin on this movie. Oh, I'm sure. I'm sure. It was good. That was good. Uh, when was the last time you guys saw this movie? For me, it's probably been one or two years. Oh, really? Mm-hmm. What it'd about you? It had been a few years in my family, but we quote this movie all the time. Oh, do you? Mm-hmm. What's yeah. one of your quotes? How do they know which way we're going? Oh, <laughs> yeah. 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 And and the, you think? <laughs> yeah, I don't think he says you think. He says, do you think? Oh, do you think? Yeah. yeah. Because I was because that's when uh, John Candy delivers the line and Steve Martin's response is that I was immediately thinking you think, but mm-hmm. Steve Martin does his. What scene is that? We've been robbed. Yep. Yeah, that's, that's what, what it is. is. Yeah. What about you? When when did you see this last? Oh my gosh, um, nineteen eighty seven maybe, mm-hmm. and I remember not really liking it. I didn't really. Maybe I was too young for it. You know. Mm-hmm. Um, I couldn't appreciate the the story that John Hughes was trying to uh, tell. And so watching it again a week ago, fuckers, I, I got to watch it in a new light. And it was almost like I had seen it for the first time. And I enjoyed it. I, I, I legitimately really enjoyed that film. So Even if you hadn't known who the director of this was, I think you could have figured it out pretty quickly by the style of the movie. That every time there was a big passionate speech you had that john hughes movie select or music selection behind the speech did you notice that oh yeah oh it had that john hughes feeling oh it screams john hughes it screams it uh that opening catchy tune uh very reminiscent to something maybe you would have seen in vacation or any of the other films that he did Mm -hmm. but you know he has a style and he was he was pretty big for the 80s Right. I mean, if we all think back to John Hughes, we, you know, 16 Candles, The Breakfast Club, Weird Science, Ferris Bueller's Day Off, Planes, Trains and Automobiles. She's having a baby, Uncle Buck, and Curly Sue. And those were just the films that he directed. Mm-hmm. I mean, think about all the films that he's written. Mm-hmm. Written yeah. or produced. Home Alone's on that list. Well, Chris Columbus directed. Yeah, but, but, he, he, but he, he wrote, wrote it. He wrote it. Yeah. It's crazy. Yeah. yeah. And, <laughs> and oh, we'll talk about that when we get to the end. It's the Home Alone house. Um, well, it's actually, the truth is it's a mile and a half away from the original Home Alone house, but it's the same style. Yeah. So, I mean, pool or pond, dude. Mm-hmm. So this movie does sort of round a corner for John Hughes because previously he has been about teenaged angst. And with the falling out that he had with uh, Anthony Michael Hall and uh, and uh, Claire uh, Molly, Molly Ringwald, Molly Ringwald they wanted to go in different directions. Hughes felt a little jaded and hurt about this, and he did not go back to a teenage storyline uh, after that. And so, planes, trains, and automobile and automobiles is his first foray into an adult story. Wow! One of the interesting things I read was this is another movie that he wrote in like three days. Yeah. Well, I guess he was notorious for writing scripts on napkins. You know, and yeah, he's just, he just stupid, crazy like that. And yeah, the, he just drew, wrote, he just wrote a lot of stuff. And the original script uh, would have had the movie going about three to four hours long. Steve Martin said in an interview, the original cut of the movie was three hours. I am so glad it's at a buck thirty. Yeah. So, so rumors are, and there's a uh, 
just like Breakfast Club, there is an uncut version of it that's three hours long somewhere in his vault. I will say this. If there is a three-hour version of this film, I appreciate all the hijinks and the comedy and the story and the way you know it was presented. But for me, uh, an hour and a half was enough. Mm-hmm. It gave me what I wanted. I smiled, you know. Um, so I think it to drag that out in my head, I can't imagine what other scenarios that he could have put those two in that, you know, is either, uh, more outrageous or, um, you know, how it, how it's any different than the situations they are in together as it is. There's actually a couple spots in the movie and one that I can think of top, top of my head that the deleted scene would have made the scene make more sense. And we'll bring that up when we get to it. But there's things that you'll see in the scene that you're like, why Why is that there? Well, that was because it was a cut. They cut out the actual oh, really? extra stuff. Oh, really? Now, one question I want to ask both of you before we get started. I want to know which team you're on. Are you on the team of, oh, my God, I would kill that guy? Or are you on the team with of, that douchebag deserves everything he's getting? So are you asking us, are we team Neil or team Dale? Dale, yeah. Oh, team Dale? Yeah, so basically, you'd kill that guy, which is Yeah, no, I, 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 I heard you the first time. I'm just clarifying. Team Dell, Dale, fucker. Team Dale or Team... <laughs> Dell. D-E-L. Team Dell or Team Neil. Yes. Okay. I, I don't look at them as teams, but I, I will say that I am relating a lot more to uh, Steve Martin's Neil Page character yes. than I am to Dell's character. I, I can so see that. I, 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 I wouldn't say that I'm on that team, but I relate a lot more. The moment in the parking lot when he breaks down as the bus drives away and his car is not there, <laughs> I've had moments like that. I've had a lot of moments like that where you just let it out. Yeah, for sure. Absolutely. Absolutely. So you lean more toward Neil, right? Uh, you appreciate that more. Yeah. Okay, yeah. What about you? I would like to say that I'm more Dell, but I, I I think I would just explode several times like Neil did, so I have to go Team Neil. Oh, dude. I, I lose I, my shit. Absolutely, you're Team Neil. You are Neil, right? Yeah. I couldn't imagine traveling with you. I couldn't imagine doing anything of uh, high stress, like getting fucking stuck at an airport with you, dude. I would fucking well, murder you. The <laughs> amount that I annoy you. I know. At times, I thought maybe I would fall in the Dell category, uh, but no, I think my breaking point is sometimes pretty low. So yeah, no, no, I, I can see that too. I, <clears throat> I'm, I'm with you guys. I would love to say that I'm a little bit of Dell, who actually is almost kind of a dick too but i think i think i would relate more with neil as well because i've been that traveler you know i've been that guy at the airport which leads me to my next question have you had an experience of a neil or adele while you've been traveling oh easily yeah yeah i have lots of situations i can think of that you roomed with a strange man no but that i've lost my cool in an airport why they didn't have your first class seat ready for you no there was one time where I yeah I don't care, um so uh Neil I think that refer- I'm just fucking with you to go do ahead. you want to hear the yeah, story go, yeah go ahead okay so one time I was at the airport with my parents and we were getting ready to board a flight and my parents decided that they wanted to be moved up in seats and we actually had pretty nice seats you know it was, uh, I can't remember where we what section but it was just such a crowded plane big issue I was frustrated with the whole thing I don't like going to the airport I hate going through security I was already in a mood shocker 
And my parents were going up and they were trying to move seats. And if they moved seats, I was going to be left in a middle seat in the back of the plane by myself for them to, to move up. So I kind of got up, you know, when they were up there and I said, let's just stay in our seats. Let's just stay in our seats. And the lady at the counter, for some reason, got really annoyed with me. And she ended up giving them two first class seats and me still in the back of the plane in the middle seat. And when it came time for boarding, she started letting everybody on. She let my parents on. She started boarding from the back. So I'm thinking, okay, I'm going to get on the plane. I have anxiety about getting my stuff up in that little storage container. So I was excited to get on the plane. So she starts boarding the back of the plane. And then she looks at me and she goes, not you, sir. You go sit down. She made me board the very last person on the plane because I was apparently rude to my parents. Serves you right. <laughs> So yeah, I, I I lost my shit during that. Yeah, no, I um I've never had. I mean, I've traveled a lot and I've been delayed and and things like that, but never to the degree that Steve Martin's character gets put through. He um, he goes through the regret. He has the worst luck in this movie. Well, let me ask you this question: A lot of the stuff that happens to Neil, does he bring it on himself? Well, no. With his impatience and his frustration, and it's easily to crack. And, you know, he just. No, he's just anal retentive. I mean, that hotel room situation where he explodes, it came pretty early on. You know, he hadn't been pushed that far, and he well, just you, loses well, it. Well, how, how far is too far? How do you know he wasn't pushed too far? I'm just saying that it seems like his explosion level is pretty low. His bar is pretty low. Well,. I, I think that's unfair to say because uh, Steve Martin's character uh, gets tested really early. Now, did he bring it upon himself to make the decision to get home by a certain time? Sure, whatever. But shit happens, right? Life fucking happens. I, I, I wouldn't say that he brought it on himself. I think that his choices uh, had consequences and how you react in the moment is how you're going to react. Yes, yeah, so were you paying attention, Don? No, I'm not fucking paying attention. All right, so let's move on a little bit more. John Candy, Steve Martin. Is this an iconic role for either of these actors? Oh, wow, that's a really good question. Do you have any thoughts? I just think the pairing was perfect. Right. Originally, they wanted, uh, what was it, John Travolta and Tom Hanks in the two roles. And I think you couldn't have done better than Steve Martin and John Candy. Agreed. Agreed. Um, I do. You said iconic, right? Yeah. Yeah. Uh, I wouldn't say their characters in this film. No. No. But are they are 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 these actors iconic in this movie for you? When you think of a Steve Martin or a John Candy movie, is this in one of your top three? No. Okay. No. Yeah. My, my number one Steve Martin movie. I was thinking about this earlier. Is the Jerk. That is my iconic Steve Martin movie. You know, I was trying to think of my favorite Steve Martin movie, and I'm not really sure. Um, I feel like The Jerk is the go-to answer, right? Um, and I'm not saying it's a bad film. It's fucking hilarious, right? It's it's The Jerk. Mm -hmm. um, but he's so good in so many other films that it, it's kind of hard to pin down. But this isn't one of them. I know he's in it, and if this was a trivia question, I'd get it. Um, but as far as the uh, in the uh, library of Steve Martin and even John Candy films, um, this one's probably mid mid level. Really? Yeah. What would you say, Professor, for your Steve Martin movie? So, or do you think this so is the iconic? For, for my Steve Martin movies, it's definitely one of the most iconic Steve Martin movies. The other one that falls right off is uh, Dirty Rotten Scoundrels. Mm -hmm. Love that to death. Steve Martin is a delight in that. He's also 
really, really good in Three Amigos. And I also dug him in Roxanne. Yeah, see? I mean, Steve Martin. What about John Candy? What do you think of when you think John Candy? Uh, when I think of John Candy, I think of Uncle Buck. Yep. Uh, I think of, oddly enough, Vacation. I think That's not of, odd. Huh? That's not odd at all. But it's so small, right? It's such okay, a bit but, part. But, boy, he's a cornerstone in that. Oh, I know. I know. Absolutely. Uh, Splash. I think of Splash. He's the brother. He's the brother, mm-hmm. right? They um, posted my letter. Yeah. So I'm waiting I mean, for you guys to name mine. Which one do you think of, Professor? Uh, one of my first for John Candy is Stripes. That makes sense. That that uh, mud oh. wrestling scene. Oh, absolutely. 100%. How, do I, how does that get by me? The one that I think of? Yeah. Tom Tuttle from Tacoma. Who the fuck is Tom Tuttle from Tacoma? No, I'm Tuttle. T- Tom Tuttle from okay. Tacoma, okay. Washington. Oh, sorry. Who the fuck is Tom Tuttle from Tacoma, Washington? Volunteers. Oh, with yeah, Tom God. Hanks. That's kind of like this plane, trains, and automobiles situation. I haven't seen Volunteers probably since it came out. I am mm. surprised that neither one of you have said another John Candy movie. What the fuck is wrong with you guys not talking about Spaceballs? I thought Fuckers. about that. <sighs> I you know about- what? I'm, I'm not I'm not going to try to explain it out like this one's about to. I, fucking, you it got right by me. That's two that got by me. Well done, Professor. Spaceballs, classic. But did, yes. did you notice the yes. initials on uh, Dell's trunk? No, but I read about it. His initials were D-O-G, which some people think is a call-out to Spaceballs. And speaking of call-outs, he wants, uh, when they're getting drunk, he wants to go to Jamaica. Mm-hmm. That's another great role for him. Yeah, and it just came to me. It's so, it's yeah. it's hit, uh, for me. It's the last big one. He actually uses a line yeah. from Cool Runnings in this movie, where it's not much to look at, but it'll get you there. Oh, does he? Yep. Yeah. 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 All right. So I feel like we can go on and on and on, but we should probably get into the summary, and then we can go on and on and on. Neil Page is an advertising executive on a business trip in New York City eager to return to his family in Chicago before Thanksgiving, which is in two days' time. After a late-running business meeting with an indecisive client, Neil has horrible luck trying to get a cab during rush hour. As he bribes a man to let him have a cab he's hailed, it is unwittingly taken by a third man. Neil gets to LaGuardia Airport just as his flight is delayed. While waiting, he meets Del Griffith, a talkative man who sells shower curtain rings whom he recognizes as the man who stole that cab. To his chagrin and Del's delight, Neil is then assigned a seat next to Del on the crowded plane to O'Hara. All right, so we uh, start off immediately with this film. Uh, Steve, uh, We're introduced to Steve Martin's character, uh, Neil, and he's trying to get home. Um, have you guys ever been in that type of a meeting where you're meeting with uh, a client or a boss or whatever it may be, and they have to make a decision and you, and you have somewhere to be and you just, you, that, that impatience and that anxiety you get, you guys have ever been that? Well, I've already said, I'm not a big fan of travel and part of my jobs that I've had, I used to always have to travel a lot and my travel arrangements were, were always made by work. They were out of my control and the day that you're supposed to leave, the people want to drag it on and on and all you're thinking is, I need to get to the airport. I need to call an Uber. I need to get there and I need to go through security and all that. And you're stressing out. And the more time they're taking, the more stress it's creating. So I can understand that in this movie, Neil is already 
getting stressed out just from the idea that he's got to get to the airport. And that I think they say uh, hailing a cab in New York, you know, at that time on that day is near impossible. Oh, yeah. No, and it is. Mm -hmm. So, yeah. Yeah. What about you? Never. Oh, you're so lucky, dude. So lucky. I know. What about you, Don? Uh, yeah, uh, that's happened to me uh, a number of times. We, uh, for what I used to do uh, many moons ago, uh, we I travel for work, and so we would have to go male gigolo. Uh, well, I didn't want to put it like that. Uh, but... High priced male gigolo. Thank you, John. Thank you. Go on. Um, so during my high priced gigolo days, uh, I'd have to travel a lot, and we would have to go and do site visits. And those would be like day trips. So I'd fly to like San Francisco for a day or or somewhere, you know, not too far. So we could make it a day. And there were times where, you know, our site visits would run up until the time that we had to go get on the plane. Right. Um, But if if I was on one of those trips, I just have a backpack. So I just have to go to security. So I don't have to stop and check my bag. So I'm typically not one of those guys who likes to go two hours early. It kind of annoys me. What? Um, you like to show up late to things? Uh, why are you late? The plane is, I mean, it will take off without you if you're late, but I mean, the plane's not going anywhere. Your, your seat's not going anywhere. This is the same guy who anytime we go and watch movies, he will be just in time two seconds before the actual movie starts. So you miss typically all the previews and you show up right at perfectly when the movie starts. You know what I'm going to say? I'm going to say, what, what, what are you going to show me that I haven't already seen on YouTube? So anyways, yes, I've had those situations and yeah, they, they, those suck. So, you know, what I like about the first five minutes of this movie is with Steve Martin saying hardly anything. We get to know what type of a person he is. You look at that fancy watch, his, his dress attire is completely pampered, crisp, put together. He has a hat. Nobody wears a hat anymore. And, oh, I forgot my gloves. Can you grab my gloves? And so, you know, right off the bat, he comes across as kind of a prissy, you know, up uptight guy. Oh, yeah, 100%. And you feel it because he's yeah. doing such a great job expressing this is the uh, this is how he's feeling. You mm-hmm. know? So he's running out and he's trying to get the cab. And uh, did, did you guys notice a young Kevin Bacon racing him yeah. for the other cab? Duh. Which is <laughs> funny because... You think... They put in Kevin Bacon in a situation where he has no lines and it just so happens that they were finishing up making the movie. She's having my baby. So they kind of, I think, threw him in this movie ahead of time. That's awesome. Uh, He's uh, trying to get this cab and he's paying this dude $75 for it. But in the meantime, the cab gets taken right out from under his nose uh, by John Candy. Who we never see. No, just the trunk. Just the trunk. And you know as soon as you see the trunk, because Martin stops and looks at the trunk, right? Did you catch what was in the puddle? Uh, shower ring. Yeah. And he, I, he didn't, shower I didn't get that until he introduces himself as the... But I noticed, I, I thought, is that a hair tie? But come to find out later, I go, oh, I put two and two together. Well, apparently it's, it's also an earring. So Steve Martin gets to the airport where it's delayed, and he sits down, and this is where... Uh, yeah, Dell and Neil actually start to talk to each other. The know. Canadian mounted. <laughs> that book he's reading? <laughs> yeah. yeah. And you know what I really liked about that oh-so-brief moment when Neil finally clicks in on Dell? Where do I know you from? That shot is the taxi cab door and Dell and the backdrop 
is the airport. Oh, really? Yeah. yeah. And it's, the backdrop is not the cab. So you have the taxi cab door, you have Dell, and then you have the airport is the backdrop of yeah. it. You see people in the background and you see airport or something like that on the wall, you know, like, like an airport sign. Oh, what they did was they brought in the door and they just held it in front of him. They had him change his clothes again, but he was still sitting in the same seat. So the flights are delayed and now they have to... Is this where we get um, our first person from Ferris Bueller, the the teacher? No. Or is that later on? No, we no have, it's his dad. It's his dad. Oh, that's opening. right, his dad. Yeah, it's his dad in the opening, yeah. And yeah. then later on we get uh, Ben Stein. Yeah, he's at the airport, right? He's the one yeah. that says uh, all the flights are canceled. With or the those, flight to Chicago is uh, canceled. And did you catch what it said behind him on the reader board? Hilarious. Destination? Nowhere. <laughs> <That's> <laughs> it just, says nowhere on the board. Yeah, That's just rubbing salt in the wounds. Yeah. Due to the blizzard in Chicago, their plane is diverted to Wichita, where they must spend the night. Neil is unable to get a room, but Dell, a traveling salesman, has successfully secured one. And Neil reluctantly accepts his invitation to share it. During check-in, Dell mistakenly takes Neil's credit card. In the small room, Neil loses his temper over Dell's irritating behavior, and Dell criticizes Neil's lack of gratitude for his hospitality. But they make peace and awkwardly share the only bed. While they sleep, their cash is stolen by a burglar. The following day, with air travel still delayed, Neil buys them both train tickets to Chicago but with seats in separate cars, stranding its passengers in a field. Neil takes pity on Dell struggling with his trunk, and they are reunited. They travel on a crowded bus to St. Louis by selling curtain ring samples to passerbys as earrings. Neil offends Dell over lunch, and the two angrily part ways again. Now, did you catch in the beginning of this uh, the first hint that something's going on with Dell and his home life? No. Um, wait, what does he say? There's a comment basically early on that Dell says to Neil that you like what you do, you know, work, you like work, you love your wife. Right. But then when they get off the plane, Neil immediately goes to call home and talk to his wife. Whereas Dell comes up and says, you made the mistake of calling home. I called the hotel first. Yeah. No, I didn't put it together until a little bit further down the road. So I didn't, I didn't put it together until we have the epiphany flashback that Neil goes through. Mm-hmm. Oh, on the train. Yeah. yeah. Because uh, you never see Dell ever call home. No. no. And then I think later on he says, oh, oh, no, he hasn't I, been home I, in years. Well, yeah. Yeah. That's where it clicked for me. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> so, yeah, they, uh, he get, they get a room together and uh, Dell has his annoying habits. And to say the least. <laughs> he smokes in the room, which I thought was hilarious. And he's drinking beer and he puts it on the vibrating bed. But that is a deleted scene. And that is one of the moments that I think works better. It is a stronger story having them talk about what had happened with the beer rather than actually having us show the accident of the beer. I was wondering because it felt kind of jumpy when I was watching it uh, the other night, uh, he's all, he's laying in beer. Why is he laying in beer? And they explain it. And I went, Oh, but interesting. This interesting. was another big scene that was cut out that I think would have made a little bit more sense. The burglar who steals their money. Do you know where he is from the check-in? No, 
you see that they're eating pizza. There was a pizza delivery guy who delivers the pizza and he gets tipped one dollar. Oh, so he's the, the so burglar? he's the burglar that comes in later on to steal his tip. That's why he only takes the cash because he's just stealing his tip money. But he takes all of their cash. He gets nine hundred bucks. Yeah, so that is actually a scene that's available, I think, in the extended version. Interesting, because I remember thinking when I watched it, what the fuck is going on? Mm-hmm. Right? The the they they finally go to sleep, and this robber comes in and robs them. I just thought that was really convenient and really out of the blue. So thank you for clear, uh, clearing that up for me there, guy. It's one time, you know, you bring up all the time that we don't need all these extra things. We don't need all this extra expose. But I feel like if they kind of had left, that's one of two scenes, I think, that if they had left in this movie, it would have made a little more sense. Yeah. Um, I, th- I, I think it works better not having it. It doesn't change the way I feel about it. Um, I, I just think that, um, yeah, I mean, it's fine. I'm glad they didn't put it in because again, a buck thirty. It's very well paced. I will give that I think uh, to so this too. film for uh, for a movie that's a road movie. Uh, it's very well paced. I think it flows pretty good, and there's not too many lulls in it to you know put you to sleep. I stayed awake. One thing I forgot to mention in our previous scene was the gentleman that was sitting next to them on the plane. There was Neil in the middle, John Candy, Dell's on one side. And there was an older gentleman on the other side. Did you catch where we knew the older gentleman from? Nope. Did you catch him? I know the actor. I've seen his face before, and I know that he's been in other stuff that I've seen. He was in another John Hughes movie. He was in a John Hughes written movie, which was Home Alone. He is the old guy that Kevin's mother barters with to get his plane ticket, and then he goes on standby. Uh, Do you remember that scene in Home Alone? Yeah. Okay, so there's a rumor on the internet that his standby flight is the flight they're on. And that's why he's on that plane. Uh, but Home Alone came out in the 90s. Yeah. But you never know with movie magic and timelines. and Home Alone timelines? was 90. You're three years in the future, so he went back three years to get on that flight? Well done, internet. Well no. done. When, when did uh, this movie come out? 87. 87. 87. Yeah, you're true. That's true. So Yeah, okay. Let's, let's do our research and do math before we... No, I'm just kidding. Well, it's like basically <laughs> it's telling the... You know, Home Alone could be kind of the prequel of how he got on okay, that Okay, now you're reaching. Now you're reaching. I'm just saying what the internet's saying. I know, but don't say it because... You hate the internet. Well, well, that one is dumb. How can that happen? There's no way it can happen. Home Alone came out. Later. 1990. Yeah. Yeah. We've already established that. Um, okay. So what did you think about Neil unloading on Dell when he has that temper tantrum and he just lets go with both barrels? I was thinking, wow, he is a dick. Right? I can kind of understand, you know, getting pushed to your breaking point. I would still have kind of kept it quiet for at least a little bit longer. Yeah. I, it was harsh and, you know, but he had to do it. I mean, he got pushed to his limit at that point and he was having a bad day. He he doesn't get to go home and see his wife. He was on his business trip. He was really looking forward to getting home. And now he's stuck in a hotel room with Dell, who, you know, for all he knows is just a fucking whack job. Did you catch the tune that set Neil off? No. The bodily noises that Dell is making in bed is uh, shaving a haircut. And so it's shaven, he makes a <clears throat> and a haircut. And then 
I think he coughs twice, which is two bits. And that's when Neil loses it. <laughs> Fuck off, really? Yeah. If that's you funny. Go back and watch it. Jay, it's Do you know that? Tune. No. No. That's funny. Um, so one more thing before we move on. This also gives us our classic scene. Uh, it's one of the first things that everybody thinks of. It's the first thing I thought of when Jill pulled it out of the hat, and I hadn't seen it since 1987. Why'd you kiss my neck? Why are you holding my hand? Where's your other hand? Between two pillows. Those aren't pillows! Classic every single time. I, I always I think of that line, and then I think of... Him grabbing the hand towel to wash his face, and then you're seeing John Candy's underwear. <laughs> My favorite bit in that is when they're done and they're standing up and they're shaking it off. Or all, oh, how about the bears? Mm, yeah. Yeah. I <laughs> yeah. think they're going to go all the way. Yeah. It's, it's a good time. <laughs> Did you notice in the hotel or the motel bathroom all of the uh, medicines and stuff for gas and bowel movements and everything that were around the sink. No kind of no. gave you a hint of what kind of evening he was in for. No, no. Uh, all I, all I rem- really remember is like all the towels and shit mm-hmm. that he just left a mess and you know, he left his socks in the sink. Horrible. Is that and the other? So, yeah. And so after all that happens, the uh, graciousness that Neil has, it's, it's the next morning and they agree that, that um that they're gonna catch a train and no 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 I'll, I'll pay i'll pay for it you know he's willing after all that shit that he gives dell he's gonna pay for his train ticket yeah it's yeah. like wow yeah so they're about to board the train and uh neil got them separate tickets and dell's kind of taken back by that a little bit but you know is what it is they say their goodbyes and uh i thought this was a really good bit where he says uh give me your address and i'll send you the money he goes no it was a gift and dell pushes again send me your address and then steve martin turns around and goes dell it was a gift i just thought that was kind of very uh poignant for steve martin to do and you know just end on good terms and mm-hmm. go on your way. They shared an experience and Dell's or excuse me, Neil sink in. Fuck. Finally, I'm going to get on a train. I'm going to be home in a couple of hours. All this nightmare is going to be over. And naturally, naturally the train breaks down <laughs> and you, and I guess you had to see it coming. Cause I mean, we're not that far into the movie. We're about a half hour or so. Right. So we still got a little bit of movie left and they're already on a train. So it breaking down, um, I felt was pretty funny. Did you feel like this was almost a movie starring three characters? You had Neil Dell and the trunk. No, I, I didn't pay the trunk any mind. I felt like that trunk just kept coming up. You know, Steve Martin trips over it. You see it being dragged across the field, the train. That's what kind of gets Neil to go and help him. And, you know, that trunk was everywhere. They're, they're always carrying it. It got thrown off the car in one scene. Yeah, it, it, it didn't dawn on me the significance of the trunk until the end. That trunk just takes a beating. Yeah. But, I mean, it has to, right? But yeah, this is the bit where, you know, the train breaks down and, uh, Neil sees, uh, Neil sees Dell trudging across the fucking, Mm -hmm. and he gives that look like, oh, fuck, should I? God damn it. Okay. I'm going to go do it. And so he goes down there and he, he helps Dell out and Dell's very pleasantly surprised. Right. I mean, he's, he, he wasn't expecting that. I think for me, this is where you kind of get the impression that, yes, Neil is high strung. Yes, he's got, you know, an easily to push over edge, but he does have a heart in that he does care. 
I remember thinking during this scene, fuck, they have to walk a mile and a half? Mm-hmm. Fuck that shit. With the chest. Ugh. So what what do <laughs> you think of uh, the bus ride scene where uh, they're singing songs, <laughs> three coins in a fountain? <laughs> I thought, okay, so Neil uh, Neil's going to suggest a song, and this ought to be interesting, and right? I mean, on a bus, okay. having some fun, okay. and then this song comes up. And only he would think that song was, you know, appropriate for the moment. So, uh, and then God bless Dell, right? Jumping in with the Flintstones, making it a, a pleasant ride. And notice that Dell's the only one that cheers. He goes, uh, oh, Neil Page has a song. He starts clapping, and the bus is silent. I'm like, who the fuck is this guy? Do you so, know the actress? I believe her name is Jerry Ryan. Yeah, from Star Trek. Yeah, seven, seven of nine. She was in that scene. She was actually hired as an extra in that scene, but John Hughes kicked her off the set. Oh, that's too bad. Because she wouldn't stop laughing at everything that Steve Martin and John Candy said. Well, if you, hey man, if you can't do the job, then you got to go. You got to go. I, my whole, while you're talking, all I hear in my head is you guys saying her name in the Star Trek show at the same time. It was, was the cutest thing I've ever heard. That is how we are supposed to say the greater good. The, the greater, greater good. good. Nice. Finally. I wasn't going to do it. Yes. Too. I wasn't going to do it. Oh, you know, the other little thing that I liked about the uh, the uh, the scene where they are at, oh, right. okay. is it the bus stop, where um, we get to watch Dell sell the earrings, showing what a stud he is. Yeah, this is yeah, this is the, the part where rings. we're at. Yeah, so they take the bus to St. Louis, and now they're having lunch, and you're absolutely right. He's got his, uh, they cut to this montage of him selling the earrings, and um, yeah, he, he was a great salesman, very personable. You can see why he... I guess succeeds as a traveling salesman, but you can see why he's in the profession. Right. So yeah, great scene. And then, uh, <laughs> I, when I was watching this one, I thought that, uh, this is where Steve Martin breaks up with John Candy. It was, it was kind of, I don't want to say painful. So they sit down, they have a lunch and Steve Martin says, Hey, you know what? <laughs> he goes, you, Oh, he says you're a great salesman. Doesn't he say something like, I don't want to hold you back. Yeah, he says, I don't want to hold you back. But he starts off by saying, uh, you know, me and you working together, we really have accomplished nothing. Maybe we should go our separate ways. <laughs> and poor Dell, he gets all hurt, you know. But uh, they part ways, and yeah. At the St. Louis airport, Neil attempts to rent a car, but it is not there when he gets to the lot. So he returns to the terminal where his profanity-filled tirade offends the agent. He attempts to hire a taxi to Chicago, but furiously insults the dispatcher, who punches him. By chance, Dell arrives at the same scene in his own rental car and takes the day's Neil with him. As they drive, they resume arguing, and after nightfall, Dell nearly gets them killed by driving in the wrong direction on a freeway. While they compose themselves by the side of the road, Dell's carelessly discarded cigarette sets fire to the car's interior. Neil initially gloats, thinking that Dell is liable for the damage, until Dell reveals that he found Neil's credit card in his wallet instead of his own, and he used it to rent the car. Okay, so this brings us to probably my favorite scene in the movie. Where the rental car isn't there? Oh my god, this whole sequence, alright? Um... He gets on. Have you guys ever rented a car outside mm-hmm. of the airport? Yeah. So oh, you got to yeah. take the shuttle, right? And it yeah. feels like it takes you forever. Yeah. 
So Neil, uh, Neil is on this shuttle and they drop him off and he's walking to get his car and he gets there and the car's not fucking there. And he has this meltdown and now he starts and then he uh, yells at the bus driver and the bus driver's gone. And I'm thinking to myself, fuck that. Oh my gosh. Could you imagine? Well, my first thought is usually those buses come every 15 minutes. So I would have just waited for the next bus. Oh, I didn't even think about that. You're probably right. <laughs> but, but you know Neil's patience level. He has no patience. He's, yes. He just immediately storms off and walks, what, a mile back to the airport across the runway? Yeah, which probably would never happen, but yeah. it was funny nonetheless. Mm-hmm. And so he gets to the ticket agent, the secretary from uh, Ferris Bueller's Day Off. Edie uh, McClurg, she, uh, she delivers so well. Yes, Um so well and she's bubbly and she's on the phone and then obviously steve martin is not in the movie she ad-libbed that oh did she really mm-hmm. that's funny that's funny uh and then he comes up and she says how how may i help you and he says you can start by wiping that fucking dumbass smile off your rosy fucking cheeks then you can give me a fucking automobile a fucking Datsun, a fucking toyota a fucking mustang a fucking buick four fucking wheels and a seat and then there's a pause I really don't care for the way you're speaking to me. And I really don't care for the way your company left me in the middle of fucking nowhere with fucking keys to a fucking car that isn't fucking there. And I really didn't care to fucking walk down a fucking highway across a fucking runway to get back here for you to smile in my fucking face. I want a fucking car right fucking now. And this is where it just is absolutely brilliant. She says, well, let me see your rental agreement. And he says, I don't have it. And her line in her delivery just makes this whole scene uh, cinematic gold, right? Well, I guess you're fucked. <laughs> and didn't you think when he saw that his car wasn't there and the bus drove off and he threw, you could see him throwing his rental yes. agreement. It's like, yes. what the hell are you doing? Yes. Yes. A hundred percent. And it comes back and bites him in the ass. And so then he tries to take a fucking cab to chicago this, this is the whole reason why this movie ended up rated r yeah uh how many f's uh 18 well, 18 he, f's there's 18 from him and is it 19 if you count hers so oh yeah okay so 19 more. fucks overall in that scene but that took what two minutes yeah great writing yeah great writing great you know writing. watching uh steve martin run at the beginning when he's going for the cab and he he and he he's uh, he's really pumping his arms up high, and it's a low camera angle shot looking up at him, and he and he's puffing his cheeks. And then we get the same sort of running again as he's trying to go after the bus, and then he gets his arms up over his head, just comedic gold. The way he's got his arms up over his head with his briefcase and, and his overnight bag, I just love the way he runs. His comedic talents are so good in this. And then he gets outside. And oh my gosh, we are back to Dell again. I know he gets knocked out by the fucking uh, cab guy. When when he goes to talk to the cab guy, he asked to get punched by that guy. Oh, absolutely. What was the joke that he made to him? He basically, oh yeah, oh yeah, yeah, if yeah. I yeah. want to see a joke, I'd follow you into the John. Yeah, that's <laughs> funny. Um, and then he punches him out, and then uh, almost gets hit by Dell, who is driving a car that looks remarkably familiar. Looks very much like a, a version of what family truckster uh, car do we know? It, it was for some sort of an outing, an extended outing that a family took together across the uh, country. They went to 
Wally World, World Dad. Yeah. yeah, that had uh, Wally World where Dad. they where they had that time, that fun time with that security officer. John Candy's car looks very much like the family truck. The paneling vacation. was perfect. Yo, oh, absolutely. Um, so yeah, he offers to drive him, and they get in the car. And um, did, did you have a thought at that point? I, I kept thinking of how did he pay for it. No, I, it didn't even occur to me. Okay. I was just going along for the ride. But uh, I do love the scene. You know, John Candy pulls up, almost hits Neil, uh, then comes out and he he stands up for Neil. He, he yells at the the cab guy, and then I love the next interaction where uh, John Candy says, "I've never seen anyone picked up by the testicles before." Yeah, and did you notice uh, Steve Martin's voice? <laughs> yes, they they they, yeah, yeah, they yeah. did some audio to it, like he was on helium. Mm. <laughs> it was pretty good. That was pretty good. Uh, so they're driving for a little while, and then they switch seats, and uh, Neil's driving, and Dell's futzing with the seat, right? And it's just getting on Neil's nerves, and he's all, you're going to break it, you're going to break it. Um, that whole car ride, you know? And then uh, they switch back, and, and Neil is in the seat, and sure as shit, Dell broke it. Well, it wasn't broken when I was sitting in it. <laughs> I have to get comfortable. I, everyone knows I, I can't relax if I can't get comfortable. Um, and so this brings us to the scene where, uh, you know, Neil falls asleep, uh, which I have huge issue with. But uh, John Candy's mess around is uh, delightful. Yeah, delightful. too, And it's a great song, you know, very much fits what's going on. And um He's trying to take off his jacket because he's too hot. And, of course, his arms get hooked. You know, hooked. And so uh, great stuff by Candy. Great stuff. Mm-hmm. Comedic gold. Very, very good. Okay, so now this leads to my biggest problem of this film. And, yes, it took me out of it. And, yes, sometimes I can be critical. But um, how does Steve Martin not wake up? He's got to be exhausted. He not that exhausted. Sleep. And so the, uh, the, another car. After the big spin and spin out and they get off the freeway and then back on the wrong way. Why do they spin out in the first place? Uh, because John Candy gets stuck and then I forget what he, he looks down or something and they hit a ice patch and they start spinning. Both of his arms are stuck, restrained. And, that's yeah. right. And he can't and steer. He gets off the freeway and then he gets right back on. Right. And he gets right back on and he's going the wrong way. And then they see another car on the other side of Two him. Two semi tr- Oh, yeah. The car right. parallel. You're going the wrong way. You're going to kill somebody. Yeah. And, and uh, <laughs> John Candy, well, how do they know where we're yeah. going? They're drunk. How do they know where we're going yeah so good my problem is the two semis how do you not see it i i get turning and looking at the other cars but you got four headlights from semis coming right at you and it's not like you don't see them so how do how do they miss it because it was written that way son of a (laughs) bitch what about okay maybe he didn't see it because he's paying too much attention to that car what about the two fuckers driving the semi truck i'm not budging Oh, that's good point too. Neither one of them budge. That is fucking insane, insane. So, but it yeah. leads to a delightful moment, which is to see um, the characters for a split second thinking that they are going to die, and we see both of the skulls with the eyeballs in it, followed by Neil looking over at Dell. And Dell is the devil. Yes. That yes. is so good. It's what yes. I like to call the Pee Wee Herman moment. It's the large Marge moment. 
Sure. Do you remember that moment in Pee Wee Herman? Yeah. Where Large Marge, her face all bulges out. She's the truck driver and turns into this demon looking thing. Yeah, it's exactly what happens in this. Yeah. And John Candy's evil laugh is great. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. Um, that, did, so, that didn't make you laugh at all? You didn't smile. Did you smile when, yeah. he, when he was the devil? Yeah. Okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm not heartless, Professor. It's, I have a sense of humor. I'm not like this one over here on my right. Well, it's another great example, and I'm going to ignore that, but it's another great example of throughout this movie, we kind of get to see through Neil's eyes and his thought process of, you know, those, the seeing the skeletons of they're scared to death and seeing them as a devil. You're seeing what Neil is thinking. Yeah, absolutely. And, and at, in the meanwhile, you're traveling between two fucking semis. So, I mean, that's pretty close to a near-death experience. When the car... Uh, screeches between the two semis. Did you think of Galaxy Quest? No. No. I did. I, I thought of that scene with him hitting the wall. Really? Yeah. I did not. Not even close. And then right afterwards, the chest is catapulted. Yep. And then, okay, they pick the stuff up, and they're sitting on the chest, and you hear the whoomp. Yep. Yep. Did you laugh there? Of the trunk hitting the ground? No. The of the fire of the oh, car. Yes, absolutely. Oh it, my god, I yeah. I laughed so hard. And I love I love Neil's reaction. Both of them. Dell turns around and looks straight face, looks back the other way again. And then Neil turns around and looks straight face, turns back around again. Now they're both facing the other way and then they have the realization. Huh. And then they start laughing. Right. And, and Neil <laughs> is laughing because he's uh, finally, it's happened to you. You, you get what you get. Right. And you've this done you, it to yourself. You've done it to yourself. That's exactly right. And then Dell drops it on him. Well, the other thing too, I first thing I thought of was, wasn't his wallet in the glove box? Oh yeah. 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 For sure. Um, but then he's all, well, how did you rent the car Dell? And he's like, uh, oh, I traded some shower rings for it. He's like, wait, you can't do that. And then it turns out to be Steve Martin's card. Poor Neil. He just cannot catch a fucking break. No, he can't. Yeah. And so miraculously, I don't know how, but I guess I do because that's how it was written. But they drove this burnt up, charred piece of shit to a nearby hotel. With their cards now destroyed in the fire, Neil barters his expensive watch for a motel room only for himself. Dell has nothing of value, so he attempts to sleep in the roofless car. Neil eventually feels sympathy for Dell and invites him in from the cold. They share Dale's collection of miniature liquor bottles and laugh about the events of the past two days. The pair resume driving to Chicago the next morning, but their badly damaged car is impounded by the police as unroadworthy. Dell persuades a trucker to take them into Chicago, riding in a semi's refrigerated trailer. So this is where another deleted scene happens that would have given the movie a little more context. Did you notice that when they got pulled over and they ended up going to the little jail cell and then got out of the jail cell, Dell had a black eye. Did you catch that? No. Yeah, he has a, if you look at it, he has a black eye at that point. Oh. And they never explain how he got the black eye. Well, apparently there's a deleted scene that while they're in jail... They're having a discussion, and Dell mentions that he never got the insurance on the car. 
<laughs> and Neil punches him in the face. And um, that's where, if you notice, that's where he got the black eye. Well, I didn't notice because I didn't even notice the black eye. Professor, did you notice the black eye? I did not. Yeah, so well, weird. go back and watch it. Did you notice it the first time you watched it? Yes. You're well, such no, the, a... F- the first time, no. But okay. but I, I knew to look forward to going okay. into this version. Okay. What do you think of the hotel scene where they're finally kind of coming together and they're drinking all the alcohol? Well, and- before that, as they're checking in, I kept thinking to myself, uh, uh, Neil better not give in and say, you know, okay, fine, I'll buy your room, room. But so he did a really good job. He has to barter his watch, you know, that fancy watch that we noticed in the beginning. And he gets his room. And then I felt so bad for Dell. Well, I kept right? thinking when Neil got to his room, there's two beds. Yeah, My but- first instinct, even if you don't like Dell, I still would have invited them in. I don't know at that point. And he needed that time uh, apart from him, obviously. Cause I mean, he just fucked him pretty good. I mean, he, how does, how does his credit card get in his wallet? I do like that when they're bartering and, and Neil barters with a fancy watch and was it like $15 or something something like like that? that. And then, Dell comes up, well, I got a Casio. A Casio. My favorite part about that whole scene is a hotel room was $42. <laughs> Those are the good old days. <laughs> Spend much time in motels there, Professor? Uh-uh. So, yeah, they are getting hammered, and uh, it's it's a real moment for the both of them. And They're finally starting to come together. Yeah. Where did... It was at the diner, I think, uh, where Dell says, well, I don't know, I haven't been home in years. Right. Mm-hmm. Don't they say something else? Oh, no. This is where Steve Martin is saying, you know, um, you may be quirky and you may be, you know, a shit, but you have a woman who loves you. Right. Mm-hmm. And so that's got to be worth something. And did you see the expression on John Candy's face? Yeah. And that's where I was kind of like thinking, oh, I wonder. Mm-hmm. I wonder. I think that the drunk gives both of them permission to forgive each other for all that they have gone through despite their best intentions and best efforts and having things go so horribly bad that it's okay to put all of that aside and say that I think you're an okay person. Yeah. Well, yeah. One, one thing I love about this scene is you know that both of them have no money. They've already bartered away their things. Um, and they're taking everything out of the honor bar. They pretty much drank everything and ate everything out of there. And then what did they do in the morning? Oh, they backed the car up. They backed the car into the room and destroyed the room. They destroyed the room. So they really screwed over that hotel. That was awful. And then we had mentioned that they they leave the hotel and then they get pulled over. Who pulls them over? A trooper. And who is the trooper? A state trooper. No, he's... he's, uh, Who's the actor? It's another one of our cameos. Uh, he, oh, fuck i have no idea he's lenny lenny and squiggy laverne and shirley oh is it michael mckeon michael mckeon get the fuck Spinal out tap. i did not notice that really yeah no, i did not see come it come on I, okay i didn't see it you always catch these things which okay to my defense guys i were watched you on it a phone? week and a half no, ago you were on your phone no you? no i watched it a week ago fucker so yeah michael mckeon that's crazy yeah, I loved how they kind of give the speech. You know, the whole thing of, you know, it doesn't look like much. We couldn't see the speedometer, but you know, the radio works and all that stuff. And yeah. Well, first of all, that car should have never been running, but you know, mm-hmm. we went with it. Yeah. But so, John Candy delivers that line really well. Oh, he delivers all his lines well. So it's just more John Candy being John Candy. So that was good. That was good. Uh, they go to jail. They get out, and then John Candy or. Dell arranges them to get a ride into Chicago or found them a ride 
And uh, but in the back of the truck, they have to be. Uh, they had to sit in the back of the trailer, uh, in a refrigerated trailer. And I remember, Kate, I remember thinking, watching Steve Martin's expression as he's shivering and holding. I'm thinking, God, how long do they have to stay back there? And John Candy or and uh, Dell says, "Just think, in less than three hours, we'll be in Chicago." <laughs> Uh, three hours in a ride like that. Fuck that noise. At the Chicago L station, Neil sincerely thanks Dell for getting him home, and they part ways with affection. As Neil rides a commuter train to his neighborhood, he thinks about the trip, recalling some of Dell's odd comments and silences during the journey. And it occurs to him that Dell hasn't actually been trying to get himself home. He returns to the station where he finds Dell still sitting. Dell explains that he doesn't have a home and that the beloved wife he'd talked about had died eight years earlier. Neil brings Dell home with him for Thanksgiving dinner, introducing his family to his dear friend. Roll credits. This is another scene that really shows, and it's, I think again the brilliance of John Hughes type writing, where it shows the thought process of Neil is Neil sitting on that train, which I thought was interesting the way they filmed it. Did you hear the way that they filmed that scene? Professor? I, I read about it and yeah, it really works. Uh, basically uh, John or they had Steve Martin sitting on the train and just, he was thinking about lines he was about to do and about a scene he was about to do. And they just filmed him. So all those facial expressions are just him thinking about it. He didn't know he was being filmed at the time, but, mm. but the idea of he starts thinking about his family and then he starts thinking about, you know, his wife kind of in a romantic way of can't wait to get home to his wife. And then that takes his mind to the point of him in bed with Dell, with the whole pillow situation. And then starts thinking about some of the things that Dell said. It was kind of that transition that they did that, you know, your actual thought process would go through of getting from point A to point B. And that's how he gets to the point of, oh, my God, he doesn't have a family. Yeah. And I thought that that was a great way, instead of just doing all these quick flashbacks or, you know, just show that John Hughes put the thought in of how would his thought process actually work. Yeah. How did he get back to Dell so fast? That seems like a really short turnaround. He was on a train track going home. Those things don't just stop and turn around, mm -hmm. right? So that's where my mind went to. But yeah, uh, I think when he said, uh, I haven't been home in years, I think that's where it clicked for me that she might be dead and then when they reveal it here that it uh, that she is dead there is that really tender moment where uh neil finally gets it right and i think the another probably maybe uh, my top five scenes uh this one where they're walking carrying the trunk down the then, middle of the street uh, it's, it's it's really touching and then i and i then i realized what the trunk was it's his house it's everything he ho owns. He doesn't have a home, right? That's why this trunk was so important. And so, yeah, great, great stuff. Well, the thing that really clicked with me and what kind of moved me in this is you're right. He does take the train back and that must have taken a while. But then the thought was Dale's probably been sitting there for a couple hours trying yeah. to figure out what his next move was. And then that led me to think if he has no home or has no place to go to this whole time, He's been just trying to get Neil home. He had no other purpose. He wasn't trying to get anywhere. The only thing he was ever doing was helping Neil get home. Yeah. And well, that just kind of shows who Dell is. Well, yeah, fair, but they kind of beat us over the head with that in the final 
15 minutes. Thanks for getting me home. No, you bet. No, really. I appreciate you getting me home. You know, they kept telling us that. But I I get it being his his purpose was to get Neil home. Yeah, because where was Dell ever trying to get to? They never tell us. Yeah, so I don't think he was trying to get anywhere. Well, he wasn't because <laughs> they didn't tell us. <laughs> yeah. the, this movie had a post-credit scene. What was that post-credit scene? Oh my god, I was laughing so hard. So it ends the the movie ends the credits roll. And did you guys notice that song, the one where that uses the Steve Martin bits? Nobody treats me like this. Or, oh, you yeah, won't yeah, get yeah. away with it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, the soundtrack it was so 80s it was pretty funny but after it was all over i just left it running i didn't mean to watch all of it I so was, you didn't know it was there i had no clue it was there so i'm writing my notes in my little notebook and uh I, I the credits go by and it stops and then the screen pops back on and i went what the fuck is this and it's the ad guy still looking trying to make a decision you notice he has a turkey and and all this and so yeah uh Marvel can thank John Hughes post credits. Now you brought up a great point about the soundtrack. There was a great soundtrack in this. Do you know that there was almost an Elton John song? No, I did not. He was paid to write a song and had a song ready for this movie. Did you hear what happened with it? Professor? I heard it at the time, but I don't remember. Basically, uh, John Hughes and the production company, and everything wanted a hundred percent rights to the Elton John oh, that's song. Right. And Elton John refused. He, When he writes a song for a movie, he wants to keep some rights to the song. They couldn't get you know, to an agreement, so Elton John pulled the song. So they, uh, there's an Elton John song out there specifically for this movie. Interesting. I think that the uh, song that sticks with me the most is that last song at the end when they're walking up the street every time you go away. Right? Oh, I fucking hate that song. But does it work for the scene? No, because I hate the song. But okay. it's a great it's an it's a song that makes you think eighties. No, well, yes, it does. And it was a bad eighties song, which makes it a bad two thousand twenty. But it's song. also the, it's a style of John Hughes. That's the kind of song John Hughes picked. Doesn't make it a better song, bud. Okay. Well, I was going to elaborate a little bit more that the way that the movie ends with that song and uh the reserved nature of Neil and Dell and his wife, uh, I'd like you to meet my friend Dell. Yeah, and then he, and then, so you're, so you're Mister uh, what, 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 Dell Griffith. Yeah, so you're Mister Griffith, and uh, no, maybe she just says Mister Griffith, and then he says Mrs. Page. Yeah, and then it and then it freezes right after it shows the wringing of his hands with the gloves, and then his smile, and I I teared up. Yeah, I'm not going to lie. I, I felt a little emotion there. It, it was a nice moment. So, John, did you tear up at the end? I I think I might have had something in my eye around the train station oh. when he came in and saw him just sitting there. That's when I, I kind of had to wipe, you know, a little something out of my eye. <laughs> we won't tell you folks what it was he was wiping out of his I, eye. I, I would ask Don, you know, if he got teared up, but Don doesn't have any emotions or feelings, so he doesn't care. See, he doesn't listen. We just talked about that. I just said I did. Asshole. Well, I'm just calling you a liar is all. Oh, is that what it is? Yeah. yeah. All right. So what do you guys think? Should we rate this bitch? Let's rate this bitch. Hey, uh, Professor, how do we rate our movies? Well, I'll tell you how we rate our fucking movies. We rate our movies by fucks because we are deciding that we want to go in a fucking different 
fucking direction. So we have decided that we are going to rate them on fucks. Five fucks is cinematic gold. One fuck, that is a movie that you don't give a fuck about or you just barely give a fuck about and you never want to see it again pretty much because you've seen it and you're done with it. Fuck that. And a zero? Oh, fuck. Somebody owes me two hours of my life back. That's what that is. No, there you go. There you go. Uh, out of curiosity, who put John Hughes in the helmet? I did. Yeah, you are fucking fired. Now, who put, once we picked John Hughes, who put in planes, trains, and automobiles? Six bucks in my right nut says it's got to be me based on your, your silence, gentlemen. Yep, you got it right. So, uh, Professor went two for two on that one. Uh, so, yeah, why don't you go ahead and kick us off there, Mr. Professor? Okay, so Planes, Trains, and Automobiles. This movie originally uh, got an itch in my head back when we were doing genre movies because one of the genre choices that we had was road movies. And I was very torn as to which road movie to put in because this was going to be my other choice to do. And in the end, I did not pick this as my road movie. When we were reviewing John's road movie... I referenced this movie a couple of times, and I thought that it is a uh, similar story arc what the cars go through in Tommy Boy and in Planes, Trains, and Automobiles. And so I had an itching to talk about this movie. And so when this came up this time around with, well, let's put in a director, this had to go in for me. And so I was looking forward to watching this movie again because I was curious and somewhat eager to explore and talk about it and find out what you guys thought of it as well. So I think that John Candy and Steve Martin are beautifully cast together and they play their characters very well. I appreciated the directing that John Hughes gave us and the touching moments of the movie work very well for me. I also really enjoyed the music throughout. There, There's one little piece of music when the car is on the road and there's no lyrics, it's do, 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 do. I don't know what that piece is called, but I've heard it in probably one of his other John Hughes movies, and I don't know what it is, but it's just like, it's a fun, boppy little tune. And I really have a strong association with the end of the movie, with every time you go away, as much as you hate it, it still tugs at my heartstrings. And I remembered thinking this is a really sappy moment that I am just falling for. I can't believe it. And part of it is because of that ending song and that ending scene with the two of them walking up the street. There's no cars on the street, and it just plays out so nicely the way that the movie ends. I found that, you know, this is really John Candy showing great acting chops in this movie. He is so tender in some of his scenes, and I appreciate his delivery of Dell. He gets him. He, he delivered him very, very well. And Steve Martin, you know, what an anal retentive, uptight prick. He did that so nicely. And these two characters being stuck together, I really, really enjoyed the movie. This movie is a solid four. Or fucks from the professor. Fuck yeah. I don't know why you write it down. You never take those papers with you. In case we want to recap later. All right. Well, speaking of recapping, you're up. I'm up. 
John Hughes movies are always about the journey. It's always about, you know, your characters start here, they have some growth, and they end up better in the end. Um, you can see that in either the, all the movies he's directed. You can see that in the movies that he's written or produced. They always have this journey. And, you know, when you think about it back then, putting Steve Martin with John Candy, you'd wonder how that would even work. And I think it was comedy gold in this movie in that they worked so well together. They both worked well off of each other. You believed both of their characters. You believed, like you said, Professor, that Steve Martin's character, Neil, was a prick and that John Candy's character was kind of an inconsiderate oaf, but with a lovable heart who who really cared. And especially when you find out in the end that he did all that, really trying to help Neil along and not really trying to get anything out of it for himself. Um, but ended up getting a friend and that's something, you know, somebody in his life, almost like getting a new family in the end. That's what you're hoping that this led to is maybe, you know, Dell found a new family, found a new home that he could go to and could, could visit. So just that the warm feels that that movie gives you was one reason I love this movie. Another reason is what I mentioned earlier. And I've said this before. I like originality in movies. And I felt like what I was saying earlier about, you know, instead of dragging out the whole movie to, you know, there's a big blow up coming and that, you know, Neil's going to lose his cool at some point. Instead of just waiting for that at the end, you get that throughout the movie. You get the, all these big blow ups, then a little bit of downtime, then another big blow up, then a little downtime, then another big blow up. And so you really didn't know what to expect with this movie the first time you see it. When you see it again, you're waiting, you're eager for these blow-ups, you're eager to see them again, especially the F-bomb scene, uh, you know, at the airport. When you think, you know, I mentioned earlier, I've had situations like that where I lost my cool and I ended up paying for it. So it, it you know, you think back to it and it's just, it rings true and it's hilarious. Uh, for me, a lot of people have classified this movie as a Thanksgiving movie. And I thought it's interesting that, you know, we just did our Christmas pick, which was Die Hard. And a lot of people said, well, there wasn't a lot of Christmas in the movie. Well, this is a, you know, even Julie said, this is a Thanksgiving Day movie. She likes to watch it on Thanksgiving, except there really isn't a lot of Thanksgiving until the very end when they get home to the Thanksgiving meal. So same idea, but still it's one of those movies that you could pull out every holiday and just kind of have that same feels that, you know, that same family feeling of, you know, what the whole point of Thanksgiving is getting family together and, and enjoying the people that you're with. Um, so yeah, it's a movie I could watch every year. doesn't even have to be Thanksgiving. If it comes on TV, you know, I may watch it. If there's, if there's nothing better on nothing else that's going to draw me in, this is a movie I could watch start to finish. And so for that reason, I'm going to give it a 4.0. It's it's funny that we changed this rating system to fucks. And we'll say fuck, fuck, fuckity, fuck, fuck, fuck. But both of you, I'm going to give it a 4. I'm going to give it a 4.0. I give it four fucks? Is that what you want me to say? That's what I'm talking about. Well, fuck you. <laughs> you too. You both drive me up the fucking wall right fucking now. How many times did I say fuck right before my rating? 27? Yeah, but that's not the point. 42? Not the point. Not the point. It's not the point. Fuck that guy! All right, right, right. Speaking of fuck that guy, I guess I'll go. I'll go ahead and count this as my first time ever seeing this film. Uh, I can admit it. Uh, And for what it was, I really enjoyed it. I really enjoyed the fact that it was uh, an hour and a half. 
It was paced very well. Uh, I grew up on John Hughes movies, and I really like John Hughes as a director. Is he my favorite director coming out of the 80s? No, but he's got some really powerful stuff. And I'm, I'm happy to now include this one into that, and uh, definitely a Thanksgiving film. There was a lot of great scenes in this, and Steve Martin and John Candy are a delight, and they work very well together on screen. Uh, Neil starts off as this insufferable prick, and then at the end, he has a heart. Dell uh, starts off as this talkative, overbearing, you know, nut job, and you know, at the end, kind of comes to the realization that he is on his own, and he does have nobody. But now he has this friend, and maybe this is a new uh, chapter in his life. It was very well told, and it was a wonderful story. Um, did it have its problems? Sure, but what movie doesn't? Is this a rewatchable for me? Well, yeah, I could probably watch it. So for that, I'm going to give Planes, Trains, and Automobiles a three point five fuck. Okay. Thanks for including the fuck. Well, that's how we're doing our ratings. I guess if I'm the only one that respects I'm protocol. I'm giving my movie four fucks. You had your chance. Would you like to chime in too, fuckface? Fuck no. Okay, well, there you go. Now comes the time in our podcast where we are going to select our next film, or I should say our next director. And since Jill chose John Hughes, and Jill was john's friend can i just point out that i think we are choosing a new director not because you know don wants to space it out just because he doesn't want to do another john hughes movie so quick so i think he's making us pick again that's that's what it is yeah uh do either of you have a quarrel with that no i don't give a fuck if you do well it is your basement that's right motherfucker. i was gonna let you pick dick but now i'm not gonna let you pick professor would you like to pre- Pick a director. I, I, I pulled John Hughes, uh, Planes, Trains. You pulled the movie? Yeah. Okay, well, Jill pulled the director. I don't know why it has to be this hard. The next director we are going to talk about is... Holy shit. Steven Spielberg. Fuck off. Is it early? Steven Spielberg? Okay, now that we have picked uh, Sir Steven Spielberg out of the hat, we each put in a film by Steven Spielberg, and now we are going to pick one. And since you picked Steven and you are on my shit list, I will pick... Dr. Jones, you're a man of many talents. (laughs) The Ark is something that man was not meant to disturb. An army which carries the ark before it is invincible. Let her go. Snakes. Why did it have to be snakes? I'm going after that truck. this up as I go. All right, so that is going to wrap it up for this episode of Three Guys in a Flick. We want to thank everybody who listens to us, who downloads our podcast. We want to say a special thank you to Zach, Ronnie, and Jill. And hey, John, 
Where can they find us? Well, apparently, I screwed up a couple weeks ago when we did Galaxy Quest and said TikTok twice. So my wife wrote me down a list. They can find us on Instagram, Facebook, iTunes, Podbean, and TikTok. Now, if you listen to us on any of the podcasting hosting sites, especially Podbean, um, please go ahead and hit that subscribe button. I would love to build up our subscriber numbers. Um, we get a lot of downloads, a lot of people listen to our shows, but not a lot of subscribers. So if you want to be alerted when we post a new podcast or we post some new information or fun clips, go ahead and hit that subscribe button. You can also find us at our website, threeguysinaflick.com. You can find us on Facebook and Twitter. You can find us on almost every social media platform. All right. So there you go. Thanks again to everyone who listens. Be sure to share us with a friend or even someone you don't like. Force them to listen to us. There's no greater payback than that. For Three Guys in a Flick, I'm Don. I'm John. And I'm Ken. Thanks for listening. Okay, it's after Thanksgiving. How do you get Dell out of the house? <laughs> I don't think they have to. I, I think at this point, Dell's burned the house down. Oh, no. Well, possibly, but I'm thinking, but Dell's not going anywhere. He is downstairs on the couch in his underwear, corrupting your kids, watching The Price is Right. With shoes off. With his shoes and socks. Susan and socks shoes off. and socks. Do you feel rushed? No, no, this is fine. If it doesn't sound good, then we can do the other one. Want to record I, I always have to come downstairs at some point and record fucking something by myself. Mm-hmm. So, <clears throat> Donnie time. Yeah, that's what that is. The following day, with air travel still prohibitively delayed. Did I say that right? Prohibitively? Yeah. You can just take out that word and say Yeah, what the, what the <laughs> fuck? I thought you edited this shit. No, I You read this, this motherfucker. Where Dale raises Cass. Dale. Fuck off. Fuck yeah. I do want to revisit. I just thought of something. I want to revisit the part about. No, we're what, going too long. What gave you. And you can cut this out or you can remove it. But what kind of gave you the, the teary eyed, the choked up feeling? And I want to change what I said. I think I want to go back to the point where Dell is sitting in the car, the burnt out car, and it starts snowing and everything, or it is snowing and he's freezing. And he starts talking to himself and talking about his wife. And, you know, she used to say, you know, you always. He's not talking to himself. He's talking to his wife. Well, yeah, I mean, but he's, nobody's there. He's just speaking out. He's talking to his wife. Okay, well, you're, you're ruining it now. <laughs> Thanks for killing the moment. But anyway. <laughs> the fact that he's talking to his wife should make it even more of a moment. Yeah, but anyway, uh, when he's saying that she's right about how he acts and how he over, you know, he's overbearing and all that, I think that is the scene that really kind of gets me a little choked up. Sure, and it's a great scene, and I think that's where I figured out that she was dead. Yeah. And when it clicks, and when you figure out that she is dead, and then he's talking to her spirit, not talking to himself, because apparently fuck that, but he's talking to her spirit, I, that kind of is even more moving. Yeah, well, there you go. There you go. Thanks for bringing that up after we did ratings. Well, I do that every show. So, oh, so yeah. So the next time I say, hey, is there anything else you guys want to talk about? Keep saying no. Well, feel free to cut all that.
Bold choice, boys. Bold choice. We have now each put a film of Steven Spielberg's into the hat Like again. three hours later. How, why would you do that? Now Ki- I just have to cut that out. Killing the magic. You are fucking killing the magic. And the fucking flow. You always kill my fucking flow, you motherfucker. That is why I was put on this planet. To kill my flow? Yes. Well, fuck you and... Job successfully done? Well, yeah, I suppose so. All right, fuck off. Good night.